Hi, I'm Stuart Huff. At night, I'm a stand-up comedian, but during the day, I spend my time roaming through junk shops that hopefully smell like mildew. I'm not looking for antiques. No, I'm looking for items that spark my curiosity. And if they're the right price, then they come home with me. This podcast is accurately named Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities. Welcome to another uh, episode of Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities. Woo! This is a this is called a podcast. Is that what this is? This is called a podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know if I ever really liked the name podcast. It's not bad. Podcast, that's what human beings have decided to call these things. Yeah. It's like broadcast, but it's broadcast, an iPod. Podcast. Yeah. Okay. Uh, on couch number one, we have Easy Bake Melcher. Hello. That's Cody right there. That- Man of the world. Uh, yes, parts of it. Yeah, I would yeah. say so. Uh, man of the world. I do a lot more domestic travel. Domestic travel yeah. is that what you call it? I get yeah, I get a little uh, I get a little defensive about how um, we we kind of like we we prioritize international travel over national travel. I feel like some people don't appreciate some of the beauty uh, in their own country, and not even just saying like I'm not even being like rah rah patriot America. I mean that you know whatever country you live in, I think a lot of people really don't think about the concept of traveling in their own backyard as much and mm-hmm. uh, and and always focus on like what's the furthest destination from here I can go to and that place is, it has to be way cooler than here. Let me get let me get the hell all the way away. Yeah. As far as I possibly can. Yeah. And eat at the same restaurants that I was eating at. <laughs> yeah. When I was in Jackson, Tennessee at yeah. home. I ate at the Burger King in London. It is not good. The McDonald's in Venice, well. Italy, I've eaten there, not great. I mean, I was a child in all these situations, but right, you yeah. know. But that's the thing. Yeah, totally. And people I think people it's like it's something about being exotic, but there's plenty of exotic things around where you live because exotic just means different from what you're used to. I'll tell you, exotic. Uh, seriously, you ever been to like uh, the Delta region? You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're from Texas, Easy yeah. Bake. I am. Uh, you're North Carolina. You ever been down? I'm not talking about you know the Vicksburg, Mississippi is North Mississippi. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the Delta. You yes. go down South Mississippi. Mm-hmm. No, I don't, may, probably. I mean, I just don't think of, when I think of Del, like the Delta section, I think of you know like I'm I'm looking at faucets in a bathroom section at Lowe's or Home Depot. You know what I mean? Delta. That's the Delta. Oh, I think that's of. the Delta. The, or, the name brand Delta. Right, or, or the plane on a thing when like you've been the out Delta of the Delta Airlines. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it's, it's also a, it's a Greek symbol. It's the same thing. Uh, Star Trek. The insignia for Starfleet is a Delta. Is that right? Yeah. That was Tom Simmons on Couch B, uh, talking about name brands and Delta. <laughs> bringing in the corporate yeah. aspect. Yeah. Right. Melch, what do you do? Like, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. This is go. The Delta. Like, is. Let's let let's tie him down and ask him some questions. <laughs> What do you, so what do you, what do you mean? Do the Delta. Ask? I'll tell you about the Delta real quick, and, yeah, then, we'll, and then we'll ask the... him ninety-two questions. All right. Um, that region of the country, the Delta. Uh, you know, when you when you travel down there, you're not in North Mississippi. You go down to South yeah. Mississippi. You all of a sudden the history is real to me. Like the history of slavery, the history of blues. You know, uh, Indianola, Mississippi, is where BB King was born, right? Mm-hmm. And it's in the Delta. And you you go down there, and especially if you go down there in the summer, which I do recommend. I mean, because it's 
it's if you want to know, it brings the history to life. I mean, the the heat and the humidity is just it just it's like a huge wet blanket. It's oppressive. <clears throat> oh my gosh! It's a, so you can read all your life about the, it's it's horrible to own another human being, and this was mm-hmm. you know uh, America's stain and our you know all, all, and you can agree with all that stuff and then you open the door of your car in Indianola Mississippi in July and you go oh my god it's too hot to even make somebody work i mean yeah I mean, so what what you those I mean? people what those people had to go through day in and day out and plus having the humiliation and the degradation of what they had to go through in their community right, right. yeah but just the right now it is noon on tuesday yeah and I'm picking cotton, and you're a. I mean, I don't. I don't know how they stood it. I really yeah. don't. No, I mean, we, I, it's we, just a. We extrapolate a lot about that, where it's like, God, I couldn't imagine, like, you know, having to wear a suit and, and without air conditioning. It's like, yeah, but at least you could, you know, go inside or have sure. a fan or yeah. stay still. But like the idea of like having to be out in that heat in the sunlight doing manual labor that wasn't even your choice to be doing. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I could. I mean, when I think of exotic, I mean, people automatically think jungles and birds, and you know what, the Alps or going to Iceland or yeah. something like that. The Delta is a place where, in this country, where it doesn't feel like any other part of the country. Well, yeah, Upper Peninsula of uh, Michigan's like that. Oh, the UP of Michigan. Yeah. I love being up there. The UP. It's the UP. Upers. So, are yeah. there some good? Are there some good uh, junk shops down in that area? Y- oh yeah, the UP. Uh, oh, the no, UP, oh, sorry, Michigan, the Delta, yes. yeah. But in the Delta, absolutely. Yeah. But you, uh, they're, they're my kind of junk shops. Which meaning, is, what do you mean? Meaning that you walk in the door and you are going to be digging. You know, you're going to, you're going to leave there sweaty. A lot of them aren't air conditioned and you're, you're going to have dirt all over your hands. You know, even if you, if you're looking for picture frames, right? Let's say you just go in there looking for picture frames. A lot of the shops in the Delta are what I consider true junk shops, meaning, mm-hmm. The, if you ask the guy at the counter, where are your picture frames? They'll say, in the back right corner or something like that. And you go, and there are just stacks and rows and rows of them. They're not individually priced and cleaned and on the wall. And some of them are damaged and beat up. The glass is broken. So you that's, have to that's dig what you for like. the treasure. Oh, yeah. That's what I like. Mm-hmm. I, I, like feel, I like leaving feeling a little sweaty and gross and my hands are dirty. And Are the characters in the that like run those, those junk shops, are they similar or are they distinctly different from other major parts of the country like when you're in the delta or there is there a there there is it's a lot easier to bargain it's (laughs) a lot easier to if you're in uh new england yeah right uh they're not you know you have to really spend some money to get them to drop the price a little bit you know what i mean right you a lot of the a lot of my favorite shops in the country are in louisiana mississippi that area because I go in and maybe I buy three picture frames, some records, some weird medical thing that I found, you know, just a stack of stuff, random stuff, you know, and let's say it adds up to be a hundred dollars. And sometimes without even asking the person will go "Mm, 80 bucks, (laughs) you know, so is it it because the the Northeast overvalues their things or, well, I think, I think the the like there's I'm thinking of a shop right now in, in uh, I can't remember the name but it's in Louisiana mm-hmm. I go there all the time I uh, I have actually found some blues seventy eights there some pr- what they call pre war blues seventy yeah. eights which are big money so when you think of this place do you picture the outside of the building the inside of the building or the person that works there uh, Ooh, good the, question the, yeah the 
actually on it's ne- near an old railroad track, mm-hmm. right? Right. So it's I don't know like I don't do it on my GPS. Okay? Like I'm <laughs> okay. driving I'm driving and I I, I know the town. I couldn't yeah. tell you the name right now. I couldn't tell you the name of it. Right? You just start to recognize it's around here somewhere. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I think I'm pretty close. Yeah, I'm pretty close to it. I'm pretty close, right? That, that's the same thing with my favorite pizza place in Little Italy. And I'm being dead serious. Right. I can never remember the name of it. You can't remember. I, it, but I you know, know how to I get know there. how to get there from a knishery that I know how to get to by walking down certain streets. And then like one time I got lost, couldn't remember the name of it, and I just like walked up to a, a, a like an overweight dude, Italian dude, sitting in a in a lawn chair and a wife beater in the middle of the street. And I just was like, "Hey, where's the pizza place?" And he knew exactly which one I was talking mm. about, which is also yeah. how you know you got a good pizza place when that guy, when that guy's like, when that right. guy, "Oh, the pizza place." When yeah. that guy says, <laughs> yes. "Oh, yeah, yeah, it's not Papa John's, <laughs> yeah. it's the real one, yeah, yeah, the real pizza place." But yeah, exactly. Did I tell the story of uh, of where I found those seventy eights on this show before? I don't know. I, I don't can't think remember. so. Should I just not tell it? Yeah, I'm so uh, that's what I'm asking. Is you, yeah, where's it's, tra- it's by a train track. Yeah, well, that pati- that particular store. I was answering your question about the outside, inside, the people, whatever. Uh, I so I recognize the outside. I can see it in my mind right now. You know, I can see yeah. the outside of the store in my mind right now. Okay, uh, and then when you walk in, it, the guy's—it's a white guy. He's got a scraggly beard, not a very nice beard. You know what I mean? It's just he's not growing it full, uh, and he's he, he kind of cranky. You know, like if if there's something on a top shelf that you ask him, can you get that down? He'll go, because <laughs> he knows you're probably not going to buy it, and you're going to try to give him thirty-seven cents for it. Could right? be. But, you know, I don't think I've ever bargained with that. Or he's just that. tired. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever bargained with that guy. I mean, I when I'm there, he and what he does, obviously, when you go into a shop, what he does is he buys out houses. This, oh, so yeah. somebody, a family member has, has passed away. The relatives are coming and they, you know, they do a yard sale. They do a thing and whatever's left, he buys it. He goes in and goes, I'll give you a hundred bucks for everything that's left. Here's a hundred dollars cash. Yeah. You know, it's like that's like that sh- those uh, those shows they have now where people go to like um, when someone defaults on a storage container unit, right, 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 and they go and they just like they just like open the door for a second. And everybody looks in and they're like, "All right, I don't really see anything, but there could be some stuff back there, so I'll give you this much for it." Yeah, yeah, like he's just hoping he, there's enough in there. And this guy's shop is like, uh, you know, all the coffee cups are in one section, all the all the reading glasses are in one okay. section, all the if you if you just if you're renovating your home and you're trying to find the perfect hinges. That, that go on your cabinets, you know, he has got seven boxes of old hinges that he's unscrewed from oh my God. cabinets, from houses. He, I mean, he, he will go in and take the doorknob, the back door. He'll take the molding. He'll take anything he can sell for 50 cents, you know? Right. And so crap is everywhere. It's fairly organized. Yeah. You know, the sink crap, decent. all the bathroom crap is back there. And, there, and he'll have seven or eight actual sinks, porcelain sinks. And then he'll have a bag, uh, like a box of faucets, you know. Wow. Yeah, it's a neat store. I really like it. And he, so there's he, probably plumbers that are just like, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Crazy Frank has like weird <laughs> stuff he has. Let's head over there, just last ditch <laughs> yeah. effort, you know, or right. Because yeah. you know some of these places, like if you're working on your house and you have an old house, like mine was built in 1970, and if I need, to, if if I need to get my, uh, if I need to fix it, my sink or whatever, like Home Depot, Lowe's, they don't make stuff that fits those. Right, measurements right. really so much anymore so you yeah. got to go find the old plumber and it's always some crazy frank crazy crank you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? <laughs> crazy frank yeah got the piece. yeah i do appreciate the organization like a little bit i do too because I, I i i like here's what i'll say when i'm in the mood for it i like mm-hmm. going into a, a shop where it's just kind of everything's all over the place and it make it forces you to like walk through everything to find stuff yes 
sometimes though i'm like i'm here for books where 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 are the books right. like mm-hmm. i just want to find some books right now and i'm not looking to like walk all over the place looking at every single table surface hoping there's a book on it like here's three yeah. books over here and then oh yeah, there's one over by that booth there's one look. there's one over here in a corner yeah and it's just like so sometimes i'm down for it sometimes i'm like i got my mind set on something and i'm this is what i'm looking for and so i i respect both but i i definitely like the organization i would almost never walk yeah. into that store unless uh i walked out and my wife was in another store looking at uh something else like you know right. she's in there looking at quartzes or something and i'm like all right i'm done with this i'm gonna go then i might oh this is cool look at this uh, <laughs> right. you know but i'm yeah i'm never gonna be like oh what is that let me get that like i, I don't think that would ever it's happen not you yeah, yeah yeah i do love the idea of of, the, of this junk store that Stuart's talking about next door to a like a quartz store like, <laughs> yeah, a, like a new ag <laughs> crystal store <laughs> yeah that's fantastic. I want to go to that town. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what I did. I'll tell you two stories about that particular store, and yeah. possibly the name of the town will pop in my head, but probably not. Um, one time I found a – well, I'll tell you about the Blues pre-war. Yeah. I, I, he has an area. It's a little crappy room in the back that is just full of records and 45s and broken stereo equipment, speakers that don't work, some that do. Right. You, you, it's just a crapshoot. They're all $5. You buy one that looks like it's in pretty good shape, may or may not work, whatever. You know what I mean? So he's got a bunch of records back there, and I spent all day digging hmm. through those records. And 78s are, Tom, you know what 78 is? It's the one that you put on the machine, and you have to crank it, uh, hand crank it, and then put the needle down, and it... Right, so you got to go buy a... Yeah. You gotta buy if you if you want to play. Well, there's some record players that will play mm-hmm. 78. 78 is the speed of the record. Yeah, right. how fast it's going around. You know. So anyway, uh, pre-war blues are very hard to find. That's Robert Johnson, Charlie Patton. Yeah, you know that era. I mean, and Robert Johnson, Charlie Patton are. You know, I've I've I saw one one time. It was not for sale in Chicago. Uh, a Robert Johnson record, but so I found a Frank Stokes record. Ooh. So when you're flipping through. Right, and then mm-hmm. you come across that. Like, what happens to you? Like, I'm looking. You, I'm looking. Is you like, oh my god, ah, that's you. Do, I mean, do you have like a a visceral thing that happens inside? You're like, that's what I'm looking for. And then you got that out, and you're looking at, it, and then you're like, there's gonna be more now. And now you're there yeah. for another. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's that's with this. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes I'm looking through something, and I think I'm not exactly sure if this is good or not but i think it is like the label on the record or sometimes they have a little description they'll say blue singing with guitar or something and i'll think i think this is quality i think i want this how much these are a dollar okay i'll roll the dice for a dollar right and then sometimes i get it home and i don't like it you know or whatever you know right but frank stokes i know yeah uh i have a, a not a 78 i have a 33 of frank stokes and his, so I know his, you know, I know who Frank Stokes is, and I know kind of, I don't know how much this record is worth, but I know it's damn rare. I mm-hmm. know that, right? So I'm digging through this pile. I've probably been there for two hours, wow. just digging. You know, I got a little stack of stuff. I found some Muddy Waters records. Nice. You know, that's nice. You know, uh, some chess stuff. That's a record label. You know, so, and then I hit this Frank Stokes, and it is a lot of these records are beat up. But that Frank Stokes is damn near perfect. Oh I mean, wow! It, is un, it looks unplayed. And yeah, I was like, "Holy shit!" I mean, this is this is rare. You know, wow. I, more than likely, I'll, I won't find. That's the only one I'll find in my life. Really? Yeah, I yeah. won't find another one of those. 
That makes sense. That's and you have to hope this guy doesn't know that that's that's valuable to you. Yeah, and I yeah. and I have tricks by the way for that too. Oh, really? Did I ever tell you this? No. no. This is fun. This is a fun part of it to me. Like, uh, okay, I was at a yard sale. Yeah. Okay, I was at a yard sale in Louisiana one time, and I found a stack of Blues 78s. Not as rare as Frank Stokes, okay, but but fairly rare stuff, right. okay? And th- those are the only ones I wanted. There's like 10 of them, and I, I want them, you know? Uh, but I'm, I'm looking at this guy that's running this yard sale, and he's kind of one of these guys that's like, if he thinks you're trying to get away with something, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? He doesn't know what you have, right? okay? But he just has a feeling you're trying to – I saw him do it with another customer that was buying books, and he went through the stack and said, well, I can't sell these two. And it's like, what? What do you mean? I mean, you have a price that says books, 50 yeah. cents. Why are they out here? Why can't you sell these? And he goes, well, that was a mistake. I can't sell – and I, I had a feeling. I was like, this guy – he kind of thinks he's being ripped off. Like yeah. a collector has come and found a, a, a piece of gold. and they're He's gonna, right. Yeah, he's kind of right. I mean, the, the only difference being, you know, I don't want to sell these things. Right. So I you wanna, have to I judge listen it. to them. You have to sort of like a... Like, like a poker player, yeah, you have to watch their see what their moves are and what their get what their what their what do they yeah. call it? their I, tells are what their tells yeah. are. If yeah. I may, I believe yeah. it's uh, I believe Sin Su once said, "What you've got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, oh, know when I to believe walk away, right. and know I when believe, to run." Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. Sin I, bl- I believe I believe you're right. Yeah, yeah. Or the Buddha. Yeah, might have been the Buddha. Yeah, it's in Buddha. Yeah. Uh, so here's here's what I do in that situation, and I, I learned this uh, from trial and error. I'll kind of judge the guy or the girl, you know, whoever. What type of music do they like? I'm mm-hmm. looking at them. Are they into rock and roll? Are they into country? Or what kind of music do I think that person would think is gold? You yeah. see what I'm saying? And so I've got 10 blues records. And I took a Jimmy Rogers record, who was the yodeling cowboy. He was huge cow- country music star. Yeah. Huge, right? Uh, there was a Bill Monroe 78. I don't, I have Jimmy Rogers and Bill Monroe. I don't really want these records. They're, I just you know I already have these records. You could just tell that this guy likes the would would appreciate your your taste in music because you picked those two. No 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 no. no. Oh, I know he he no. he's trying to no. game him by making it seem like those are the expensive records. Is that so what you're I, doing? I walk up and I put the records down and and I and I said yeah I found some records here so uh, they're fifty cents a piece and he goes well let me take a look at what you got and he flips through there. And he pulls out the Bill Monroe record, yeah. and he goes, "You can't have this one." And I went, "What? It's they said fifty cents." And he goes, "No, you can't. You can't have. It. I know what this is worth." Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, all the rest of the, the blues, he let me buy the Jimmy Rogers because he. I'm guessing he didn't recognize the name. Yeah. But the Bill Monroe, he recognized, and he would not sell it to me because he thought I was trying to pull something over on him and get yeah. the good ones. And I and did. You did. Good, good call. Yeah. See, that's yeah. that's like again. I've said this before on this podcast, but that's some headliner stuff right there. Because <laughs> that's no, that's you know, you're, as a comic, you got to walk up on stage, you got to size up the audience, you got to figure out, what, okay, what 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 what's this audience gonna like? Like, what where, what style of this joke that I do, you know, which table is gonna be the one that's gonna do this? Like, that's that's headliner stuff. <laughs> also, I am the exact opposite of that, and I have screwed myself over so many things. Really, what do you do? I I'm self sabotager. I okay. I'll go up and I'll tell them when I find something that's worth more because okay. I don't want to screw them out of money. So like I found right. there's a there's a book um, called I believe a mock time, that's a uh, it's an original uh, Star Trek book, the original series. So back in the original series, they just let people write books 
they were just like, sure, whatever. Like somebody would just be like, I want to write the next Star Trek book, and they go fine, whatever. Like you, Ro- Gene Roddenberry was like, I'm focused on the TV show. I don't care. They did the same thing with the toys, which is why the Star Trek toys aren't collectible or worth anything because Star Wars like kept the the, the brand. Star Trek was just like, yeah, whoever wants to do Star Trek toys can do Star Trek toys, and they leased the name out to like all over the place, so you could just slap it on whatever. So did that woman. end up changing or or affecting the Star Trek universe and what the what some of the the battles and and the worlds were and all so, that well, stuff. So the books did because now most of the books are considered not canon. Right. Uh, so unlike Star Wars, well now Star Wars has a bunch of non-canon stuff, but that's because they rebooted the universe. But Star Trek, uh, mo- <laughs> like mo- the books are always considered kind of it's a TV show with movies, and then there's some books over here, but those are unrelated because people would just write whatever they wanted. Okay. Um. So this woman wanted to write a Star Trek book, and so she wrote uh, this uh, Kirk Spock book. But she hadn't really watched the show. She'd watched a little bit of it. She didn't really know much. And so she wrote a straight-up homosexual book about Kirk and Spock being lovers. And unlike, there's, like, there's, like, literal in there of, like, Spock being gay when he was younger, all this kind of – because she thought they were gay. Hmm. And it got published. And then they found out about it, and they were like, no, no, no. And so they recalled it ah. and, re- and then changed it, republished it. And then after that, everything had to go through Gene Roddenberry for books. But – uh, that's so, kind of neat. But that edition is still around. Yeah, that's kind of neat, yeah. I think. And you found it. So, yeah, that edition's still around. The, you have to, there's certain aspects of the cover, like this raised lettering, and sure. then there's certain pages where you turn to that page, and it's like, does it have this word on this line? And if it does, then it's that edition. So I was at a used bookstore. They were very nice. I was buying a ton of books. They were very nice to me. And I found that one in, in the Star Trek trade paperbacks. But it was, pay, it was priced as all the other ones, because I'm guessing they just looked up like what are Star Trek the original series books worth or they just typed in the name among time and didn't check to see because the the uh, the second version is just worth the same amount as a regular paperback. So what what is it worth? Uh, I mean it, it, Ball, it, ballpark 50 50 bucks probably yeah. And they were selling it for Not 50 a cents and you were like this is yeah, worth way more. Like a quarter, yeah. And I, I was like, hey, I just want to let you know this is actually worth more money. So what did they charge you more for it? Or they you... they set it aside, and then um, and then I ended up finding a, a copy somewhere else on eBay. Um, well, that's th- why wouldn't you buy it right then? Because they didn't they didn't want to sell it. They were like, oh, thanks for letting us know, but the person in charge was not like the number one person who prices books there because it was okay. a family owned operation. So I think the it was like the son who runs everything, but the mom owns the place, so the mom needed to sign off on it. Okay, God, these are so. This is. But I'm yeah, so I'm just. But, I'm a, but I, I don't know, and I don't. Say, I'm not trying to say that's like a morally better position to take, but it was just like. But I, I, I just self sabotage myself because I, I, I would feel well, bad if nice. I bought that. It's, yeah, yeah, it's very but nice. But it's a personal of you to do, fault. You know? The, you know, my thing is like, my yeah. my thing is really like if someone, if I thought the guy was he's not selling anything, he's right. You know, then uh, yeah, but. Yeah, no, it's a. Yeah. This is a personal fault. I I claim no moral victory mm. in this whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, they look. They it's a business. You, you priced left it you, without the book that you were rare. That's I know, rare. I know. Right. Well, but I mean, you know, that's the thing. But like, I don't know. I I'm a garbage person. But they, you know, they price like it's a business. They priced it. They need to know what they're doing. And especially like, yeah, if you're in a junk shop, it's like, yeah, you're you're getting you're getting what you get. You know. And I have, I have not always done that. I've done it when it's like, if somebody's like. They were very nice to me at this bookstore, and I had sold some books to them as well there. And so I was mm-hmm. like, "All right, you know, I didn't consider them friends, but I was like, you're, you're, right. you're good people. I want to just give you a heads up on yeah. this book.' You know? I think that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I like I do it. too. I think that's cool. Uh, so you ripped this guy off <laughs> of his uh, <laughs> of his valuable blues records. Yeah, I absolutely did. I ripped him off, and yeah. then 
Yeah. And this, this, uh, how we out? Because this is a different story. Than so we were the, than in Mississippi. The, now go back to the Delta, where you, now you're going through this guy's. Yeah, we're go, we're we're going all over the place. Here. No, we're getting back. Like, to just it. like okay, the Delta. Are we, are we getting back? Right. Yeah, you're back in this guy's store. You found you're flipping through. You found some. Good oh ones. yeah, that Frank Stokes. Yes. Yeah, I bought the Frank Stokes. I, I didn't. I've been in and out of that store. That guy wants to sell his stuff. He's yeah. not gonna. He's not like. Well, let me look at what you got and it's pull out the good stuff. Right. Yeah. You know. So. You know, I went up and I bought my stuff. One of one of the things was the Frank Stokes, and you know, good day. Went home, listened to it, really liked it. You know, la da da. Six months later, eight months later, a year later, I don't remember when. I'm hurting for money, can't pay the bills this week you know, or this month. You know, I, I don't have enough comedy work. Goodbye, Frank Stokes. You know, so I oh. sell. I, I have to sell Frank Stokes. You know. Whoa! Why do you choose? Like, that's an interesting thing. Question for me. Like, yeah. something happens like that where you need money. You need mm-hmm. money for your son to be born. You need money for whatever, mm-hmm. and you sell the Frank. What do you go with? Last in, first out, or do you no, go no, no, through no. and sort of figure? How do you figure out what goes? Least amount of items worth the most amount of money. No, no. I think I. I it's uh, you know, passion. How much do I like them? Uh, okay, you know, I mean, I like that record, Frank Stokes. It was neat finding it, and it's I would have liked to have it. And if I if I didn't need money, I, I'd still have it. Right. You know? But uh, I knew I could get a good price for it. I knew I could get enough money to cover what I needed. What'd you end up selling it for? Uh, Fourteen hundred. What? Oh, my chest hurts. Okay, well okay. that's what we're talking about. Like if you come across something where you win and you know something's valuable and the guy sells it to you cheap, right? You're ready to go ahead and flip it. Yeah, I mean, if I didn't need the money, right? Then, you know, that's wow. what. It, then it's I keep it. You know what I mean? I, I, right. But, um, you know, how many instances of that have you had where you've sort of found a little mini piece like you, like that's hitting the numbers on that's hitting the slots right there. Oh yeah, I paid like I paid that. fifty cents or a dollar for that. I don't remember which one it was, but right. it was. He sells his records for cheap. You know, they're they're a dollar a piece or fifty cents a piece, whatever. You know. And I just How happened. is that your business? Like your business is <laughs> finding valuable stuff out of junk, and then, and then you the one thing that has any value in your store you give away for fifty cents. <laughs> like you're terrible well, at you the thing you're great at. Well, look at it this way: he he, uh, and everything's changing <laughs> now. You know, the junk yeah. shops are not what they used to be. You know what I mean? But that room, I would say his his music room is bigger than this room that we're in right now, which is a. Uh, Probably this room we're in is like a standard size bedroom. Right. Right. So he there's a ton of stuff in that room. Right. So my guess is this. He goes to a house. He like Cody said, he gives 100 bucks or 200 bucks. I'll buy everything in it for cheap. Right. And he could sit at home and go through each and every item. Look it up. Is it worth any money? But I went through every record in that room and I probably bought 15 of them. Right. You know what I mean? He would have looked up everything and he would have. Fifteen of them would be worth anything. And you at just, all? It's just because you happen to know that this is a I good. I knew that. Yeah, and he did like on a matchbook. You, he would maybe this guy knows exactly what every matchbook is like. It could be. He right. could be a matchbook collector. Right. You yeah. know. But okay. on the flip side, on the flip side of it, I could have, uh, you know, not known. I could have blown past something that was worth two thousand dollars. You could have done that a hundred times. A hundred times okay. more. You know, something like, well, I don't know what this is. You know, I don't want that thing. It's 50 cents. I don't want that. And somebody else would be like, you don't know what that is? Oh, my God. Give me that. I want to buy that, you know? And they turn around and sell it. Yeah, I'm surprised you're not. I kind of like that you're not one of these... A lot of people, which is like they find it, and then they immediately look up on eBay how much they could sell it for, and it's all about, like, 
sort of finding that stuff and turning it over. I guess that's a that's a business too. Like your that's your side yeah, side yeah, business. You know, but you don't really do that. Like you don't really go and go. Like, ah, I want to see how much this cooler's worth. Or I didn't. I didn't know how much the Frank Stokes was worth. I had no clue. I I don't know what it's worth now. I don't know if it's you know. If it's worth fourteen, I didn't ask for fourteen hundred dollars. I put it on eBay and auctioned it off, and it got fourteen hundred dollars. Fourteen hundred, you know. And I shipped it to Japan. It went to Japan, right? You know, wow. The Japanese I, I, are uh, they love are really, blues and jazz. They're really big collectors of stuff, right? Yeah, big uh, big collectors. You know, what was and the I story that you had about the guy in the pilot episode that we lost? The guy outside of Indianapolis that has the, sh- the weird, the, that guy's, that crazy dude that oh, has Oh, Perry, shop. yeah. Now, see, Perry's a different beast because Perry, that he owns that, that record store uh, oh. that, I, that I just went to, by the way, and I took some video. I think I'm going to post it on the Facebook page. Oh, great. I would to like show to the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just walked around with a, with my camera and just like videoed Perry's store. Did he heckle you or say anything? He, to you? At one point, it's funny. Those you, know, you guys that listen, if you watch the video, like I was like, I said to him, I want to make some video. I want to shoot some film if you're, you know, a video of your place. And he goes, yeah, go ahead. I don't give a damn. So I go outside and like I'm entering, like yeah. I'm showing what it looks like to walk into the place. <laughs> yeah. And I start, you know, filming. And then he, I get over to the right side and he goes, hey, come here. Let me show you this deer. And I'm like, what? I'm trying to make a video. <laughs> and he has a he has a stupid ass. You know those? You remember those fish that you clap and they start? <laughs> Have you ever seen them, Tom? Yeah, of course that, I've seen them. Yeah. I think my dad has one. He has a deer. It's a fake deer head on his door. I mean, this guy's got some incredible collectibles when it comes to music. He's got some stuff in there that there's probably 10 of them on the planet. Yeah. And he wants to show me a deer yeah. that you press a button and it sings a song. Right, because those records aren't that deer. Right. <laughs> oh. So uh, Perry's different. When Perry, well, there's some things that I've found at Perry's that he doesn't care about. He doesn't really care about like psychedelic music, you know, he doesn't really care. But uh you know, oldie stuff. He he knows his stuff. He's the guy Perry, that yelled at you like he wouldn't sell it to you until you told him who the best jazz guitarist or whatever yeah, was. Yeah, the best banjo player. Yeah. He was like, Who he, <coughs> I said, How how much you want for these records? Yeah. And he looked at me and he goes, Who's the best banjo player in the world? That's his answer to how much do you want for this yeah. stack of records? And I said, uh, Earl Scruggs, because I figured, you know, I don't know who the best banjo player in the world is. Right. But most people would say Earl Scruggs, so that's sure. what the card I'm going to play. And he goes, "Get out of the, get out of the store, get out." <laughs> and I Isn't said, that Come wonderful? On, Perry. Come on, Perry. I, I drove all the way here. I've been digging for hours. Get out. Go home. Read. Listen. Learn something before you come back. <laughs> it's so great, you know. Who is? Yeah, uh, according to him, uh, Don Reno. Yeah. Yeah, according to Perry, Don Reno's number one, Earl Scruggs number two. So you went home, I don't you even went know if back I'd say to your Earl hotel and, and learned who you thought, again, who you <laughs> thought would be the one that he would pick. You didn't go off, you didn't go find out who the best one was, in your opinion. You went and found out who you think he would want to be. Well, th- th- what happened in that case was I looked at him and I said, come on, buddy, I got cash right here. I pulled, And he's yelling, you kids don't know anything and blah, 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 and this and that. You know, so I sat down in a chair until he calmed down. And I said, how many, I said, you know, like how many times have I been in this store, man? And I, and I, I wasn't going to leave and go look up banjo players. I just, (laughs) I just spent hours digging through these records, you know? So anyway. So he just told you. 
Yeah, we get, and then he ends up going, Don Reno, don't you forget it. And then he actually, you know, he went and got a Don Reno, Reno and Smiley. Is, yeah. You know, Reno yeah. and Smiley was a, a country bluegrass group, and he, mm-hmm. and he put it on top of my stack. He goes, there it is. Go home and listen to it and learn something, you know. Right. Go home and learn yeah. the truth. But he's yeah. the one that I remember telling you, him saying, like, there's Japanese investors that fly in and buy stuff. He doesn't need Have I business. ever told you about this guy, Cody? Yeah. Okay. But I mean, I, I, but I want to hear it. Yeah, so he... You know, I said to him one time in, during an argument because we, we were bickering. We're bartering. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't want to sell me anything. I've seen him kick young kids out of the store. Yeah. It's hilarious. I've heard it, some of those. It really is. I, it just cracks me up. So uh, we're, we're in the heated battle of, uh, of bargaining, yeah. right? And, uh, and I said, look, I'm the only one that's ever in this store. I've, there's never another human in here. Right. And yeah. you're, you're not accepting my cash. What are you talking about? You gotta need money, and, and and he's like, you don't even know how much money I make, son. You don't even know. <laughs> Look, I only open the door because I'm getting away from my wife for a little bit. I don't need your money, your little petty ass three hundred bucks. What do I need that for? You know? And I'm I'm going back and forth, and I'm like, no one ever comes in here. You don't even have a sign that says open. You know, you you just you open the door and sit in a chair and yell at people when they come in. What kind of a businessman are you? And he goes, three times a year, Japanese people get on a plane and fly to Indianapolis, and they rent a car, and they drive here, and they walk in with cash and a briefcase, and they go through 45s, and they, they give me $100,000 in American cash, and they pack a little bitty, you know, stack of 45s in their suitcase and they fly back to japan so i don't need you you georgian you damn southerner blah blah, blah. and i went you're nuts you're nuts who would how would the japanese know you're in the middle of nowhere right one day i'm in the store i, I actually walked in the door right right two japanese guys in there with a translator they i'm not lying they have a translator and perry is just standing there and the translator would say they want to know how much this one is three thousand and then, you know, the, the it would go back to them and come back 2,800. Tell them to go fuck themselves. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great if he looked up, saw you come in and said, these are the guys I was telling you about, yeah. and then right. went right back to what he was doing. Right. And I tell you, I mean, I'd start digging through records. I, I was blown away. I was like, yeah. whoa, he, he wasn't kidding. And I, I, you know, I'm honest when I'm wrong. I mean, they had cash. And How much I was saw, he ripping them off? I don't think he ripped him off. I mean, Perry's not a, you know, he's, an, he's, you know, he's a cranky old man. But he's you know? fair. And he's fair. Yeah. And he's, and he's honest. And, you know, he's honest in the way that he's not going to overcharge you for something, but he's also not going to give you something for nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've just never heard you say I picked up something in the junk shop and it was $3,000. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to get that. It's almost always like you pick up something in sixty dollars. Like you know, yeah. it's never like that's right. a pretty high priced item. Th- you know, for so, what the the Japanese the three thousand dollar thing. Yes. Oh yeah, I would is. never do that. They, yeah. they, they, they they probably spent I don't know eighty grand. So are those? So there are shops where you walk in and like you could spend that kind of money, oh, but you don't yeah. even. But are you? Do you walk by like that's the dream? Like ah. Uh, like you don't even look. That's the glass case that you can't even. I don't know. I mean, I you know, the, <laughs> the beaded curtain. The, yeah. the money, the money, doesn't really enter into it to me, yeah. except for can I afford it? You know what I'm saying? Yes. So like I mean, that's what I mean. Is the stuff that much cooler? Where if you had the money, you would buy it, or you probably wouldn't buy it anyway because that's just not your thing. If I saw something, and you know, it's just not my thing. 
I, I wouldn't buy it. You, okay. you know what I mean? Yeah. But if I had the money, yes. There's. Mm -hmm. I saw a full, uh, it was enormous. It was the, the full counter of a post office for sale. Yeah. Where you had the glass window and it's, it said, it was painted on, it said post office. And it was the full surround thing. So the boxes were still there. Right. With the little keys in them. That it was a post. It was an old, old, old post office, and I forget <laughs> really? what it was. Yeah, Did you sell those in a store. It was in a. It was an in junk shop in in North Carolina. It was past. Uh, it was right. Yes, it was right past Asheville on what is that forty? Yes. Yeah, I, I forget what they wanted for. It was like fifty grand or something like that. Yeah, what? I wouldn't. Have, you know, I mean, I don't have fifty grand, but you know, if I had, if fifty grand was was like a hundred bucks to me, right. Yeah, that that one I probably yeah. would have. That's like trimming for the ashes. I love that thing. Yeah, okay. I absolutely loved it. I, I stood there and looked at it and, and like opened some of the drawers and. Oh, all right. You know what I mean? I was like, this thing's so cool, and I, you know, I was I was very interested in that. You know, but I've seen other things that are supposedly. I'm trying to think of an example. Um, you know, they're like, oh, it's so rare, and I'm like, but I, I don't care about it. Right. So it, I don't care if it's rare. It it doesn't pique my interest. I wouldn't give you thirteen dollars for it. <laughs> I don't Except care. You could sell it. So, so the, wait, on, the only thing that I buy that yeah. you know, if if I'm in a store with a bunch of records, okay, um, and I see a record that I know is, you know, it's a dollar, and I, and I know it's worth money, you know what I mean? I've, I'm tempted to pick that up, right? Because you never know when I'm going to need rent, right? Yes, of course, right? You know? Right. So then I have my little box, like, well, when I need some money, these are gone. You know, so, yes. Do so you ever tell everybody the the Perry's the the Dolly Parton machine? Was it sold last time you were in there? I think I did it. In, oh no, it's still there. I have it on the video. Okay, that's great. Dolly Parton machine. I didn't tell you that story. No. Okay. I don't uh, think we so. might Matt might want to edit this out because I told it on the on the the live recording. Oh, then just tell me. No, just tell just tell me after the. Podcast. I'll tell it to you quick because maybe he wants to leave it on. Maybe you All know. Right. Okay, so uh, Perry in his back back room, which is an enormous warehouse full of records. That's mm -hmm. all that's in there. And well, besides, he has a Dolly Parton pinball machine. Oh, you remember how, the story? How much? It is not. Well, that's what we're getting to. It's you know. So I said, um, I, when I saw it, I, I said, uh, Perry, how much for the Dolly Parton pinball machine? And he goes, If Dolly couldn't afford it, then you can't. I'm like what? What you know? And it, so. The short version is this. He tells me that one day I'm sitting there, phone rings. Yeah. Uh, you know Perry's a bullshitter. Yeah. Or maybe not. Not no, sure. I'm, yeah. Right? Can't never figure it out. Yeah. Phone rings. He answers it. And uh, this is the way he told me the story. He goes, I'm sitting there enjoying my day. I got some good tunes on the thing. I'm having a sandwich. Phone rings, interrupts me, you know, and says, hi, is this Perry? Uh, yes, it is. Who the hell's this? Dolly Parton. Uh, we're opening a museum at Dollywood. And I've heard that you have the original Bally's uh, pinball machine from 1974, whatever it was, you know. And we were wondering if, if we could purchase it from you. $20,000. Well, it's not worth $20,000. That's very high price. $20,000. Bing hangs up on her. That's what he claims, right? Wow. Yeah. Phone rings again, picks it up, interrupts me twice. That's the way he describes it. Right. You know? <laughs> interrupts me twice. I just like this guy from your description. He's just of him. great. I love him, right? And he's cranky old man. So he ends up, you know, you know, she interrupts his meal twice, and he's not going to sell. It's twenty grand, you know. That's what it is. And then he said, week later, I'm sitting here enjoying the day, and there she comes. Here she comes. You know, limo pulls up, uh, which is crazy. 
this tiny town he's Did in has it has two businesses. It has a well, it has a fire department. I don't know if that's a business, but <laughs> it's Perry's shop, and across the little bitty street is a restaurant. That's sure. your business. That's it. You know, there's no gas station there. You have to drive to the next town to, for a gas station. That's how tiny this town is. So he says a limo pulls up. Dolly Parton gets out and goes, "Let me see this pinball machine." He goes, "Let me see the cash." You know, it's just it's hilarious. It's still there. So, yeah, so she didn't. I don't it. think she, I think it's a hundred percent made up story. Yeah. 100%. But you but thought that with another crazy story with the restaurant across the street, right? I will, ta- I will tell you this, though, Cody. Yeah. Listen to this story. Yes. He had a he had a necktie, you know, like an old Southern gentleman mm-hmm. necktie in a glass case. And I said, Perry, what's the necktie? He goes, that belonged to Bill Monroe. And you know Bill Monroe, yeah. right? Father of bluegrass. He invented, he's a famous bluegrass player, right? I said, that's not Bill Monroe's necktie. What are you, crazy, you know? So he, he goes. The, he goes. Bill walked in. Good friend of mine. He walks in, and we we're we're shooting the shit, and we're listening to music. We're you know we're catching up. I hadn't seen him in a year or two, you know. And he's blah 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 this and blah 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 that. You know, talking just like liars do. Yeah. You know? And I love right. liars. I love them so much. I want them to keep going and going and going. And he goes. So then Bill said, "Well, I got to hit the road. I got to drive down the road a little bit. I'm starving. I got to go down there and uh, probably gonna have some biscuits and gravy." And I said, well, the best biscuits and gravy you've ever eaten are right across the street at that restaurant. And Bill Monroe said, no, sir, no, sir. The best biscuits and gravy are my mother's biscuits and gravy. And she's dead. So they're gone. Best biscuit. Well, I'll bet you $20 and your tie that the, the <laughs> across the street, the biscuits and gravy over there will, are better than your mama's. And Bill wow. Monroe said, let's go. So we walked over there. We sat down, ordered biscuits and gravy. He took one bite. He stood up, untied his tie, handed it to me, and gave me $20. And I put it in this glass case. And I went, you're full of shit. You know, just, that is Bill Monroe's tie, young man. You know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So anyway, two, three hours later, I'm digging through records, you know, having a good time. And he comes walking up, and he goes, yeah, yeah, here's the picture. It's him and Bill Monroe standing at that restaurant. He's got that tie on. Yeah. That's a great story. No. Does he play music when you walk in? When are you? Is he? Oh, he's cranking it. He's, he's like a kid that never grew up. Yeah. When you park your car, you know, and open your door in in wintertime, usually you can hear it through the door. Summertime, he has the door open, right? Yeah. There's no heating in there, no air conditioning in there, so you're gonna freeze to death in the summer. I've gone in there with a big hat and muffles over my ears and gloves digging through records, and uh, in the summertime, you're gonna sweat. You need to, you know. Wear a tank top and bring a towel. A junk shop guy doesn't ever come across like a space heater. <laughs> you know, well, you might burn down the vinyl. That's true. Uh, right, so, that's right. so I just want to. Ex- well, first of all, the Dolly Parton thing just seems unreal, unless she was just stubborn and was like, "No." Because, uh, no, because I don't know like if y'all I'm, know I'm this. I'm still but like, saying it's it's yeah, a total lie. Because I don't know if y'all know, but Dolly's got some money. Yeah, uh, like, I don't think twenty two thousand would be something, or twenty thousand would be 20, something 000. that Dolly would be like. No, I can't afford that. Right, but I I could see her maybe being stubborn enough to be like, I'm not going to give in to. The, I'll find it somewhere cheaper. I don't like somewhere this else. man. He's cussing yeah. too much. Yeah, he's being. Oh, I don't like the stubbornness. Or I don't like I the stubbornness. But, yeah. um, so my question is, I want to. It didn't happen. If we could go back to the Japanese businessman, I want to extrapolate something really quick. It's like an open question, because it's it would be cheaper to just hire like a local person to go find stuff that you're looking for, mm-hmm. ship it to you. So. Are they coming over because part of the experience is traveling to America, going to a record shop? It has no. to be. Uh, yeah, I mean, because it don't seems know so weird to tra- to fly all the way to Indiana 
and to, for your hobby of finding crazy right like, to records. go for records yeah because yeah. it's I mean half of the beauty no I take that back eighty percent of the beauty of Perry is you don't know if he's lying yeah you don't know I thought he lied about everything until I saw that picture yeah you know what I mean yeah and then you saw the Japanese guy right and then I saw the Japanese guys and I'm like well yeah. how much of this is a line how much isn't was jerry lee lewis really in his shop he claims jerry lee lewis came in on a regular base right you know? but now we're going to get to this junk this is uh it's time we got off talking about stories and telling tales yeah. and you know uh, the junk things, man cometh the, the junk man cometh right are things a lie or are things are things true in these junk <laughs> shops who knows <laughs> I just I'm a, I, I'm I'm fascinated by the whole process and the characters involved yeah. that you run into and then yeah. and you know and this and this so you let's uh, we can focus back you were talking about you started off the Mississippi Delta we're going to the Delta I have no clue what this is it's turned upside down does that have anything to do with anything we've been talking about for the last uh, half hour not really oh <laughs> we cool. just kind of went off yeah chapter two I did, chapter two I also like the idea of you as like. A, an investigator into into like junk junkmen's lives, like the truth or not, we'll find out today on Stuart House Investigation. Coming up next, yeah. after this message from Taco Bell, like the X Files for junk shops. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Scopes trial. Okay, monkey. Yeah, monkey trial. Yeah, Dayton, Tennessee, mm-hmm. 1925. Right, right. Never forget. We have two newspapers that one is framed and one is not, but the. I just like them. I, you know what I mean. I mean, first, if you listen to the podcast, you know what side I'm on. It's basically, uh, <laughs> in in a nutshell. Let's describe loosely the, in, in case you don't know, the the Scopes Monkey Trial. That's what they called it, right? So you have a John T. Scopes was a teacher, okay, in Tennessee. There was a law against teaching evolution in any public school in Tennessee. What year was this? 1925. Okay. July, if I remember. July, 1925. Don't hold me to July, but for some reason, I don't know why. I always think, God, it must have been hot. Anyway, uh, here's the beautiful part to me. The interesting, one of the many interesting parts of this, okay? Uh, John C. Scopes was a teacher. He was definitely teaching evolution, but maybe not full-blown. He ta- It's one of the options kind of thing. He, he definitely was not like... Christianity is horrible and down with the church and blah, blah, blah. He was not like that. Um, yeah, they, yes, he, he did teach it as an option, as a theory. Let's was it being taught theory. regularly in schools at no. that time? No. What, not even Especially up north? Especially in the south. Uh, from what I know, in the north more so. Most southern states had a law against it. Mm-hmm. It's illegal to teach evolution in, in schools. Uh, it's against the law. Wow. You go to jail. Yeah. Yep. Right. But is there uh, anything like that today that it's against the law to teach? Um, I mean, I don't know about against the law. You can't be fired. Uh, when I was actually at the Kentucky State Capitol, the old one, the tour guide uh, made a made a joke about um, when when uh, when the Capitol would turn off its fountain was during the winter, and it's like, yeah, it used to be earlier in the year, but uh, for some reason, it just uh, stays warmer longer these days. I'm the legislature has said I'm not allowed to talk more about that, but just want to throw it out there that normally it would be turned off later or sooner. Oh, okay. and, uh, and he's like, that, like, yeah, the Kentucky government will not allow him to discuss climate change. I guess there's uh, more and more tour. governments are starting tour. to do that. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Like, uh, so anyway, it, it was, it was July, 1925. Was it July? I just I looked it up. Yeah. If the, if the more shocking part is that I remember 1925. Yeah. That's the more shocking part. I, I, both for both for me were a great parlor trick. Whew. 
Yeah, we should yeah. stop right now. Like, <laughs> Call it a the, day. Do the drum roll. Because you nailed the date and everything? Yeah, I get yeah. a lollipop, we're done. <laughs> no, I want to I want to learn about this. this yeah. Because I have a vague, I know like Scope's Trial. I yeah. know. Right, right. Have you seen the movie, Inherit the Wind? Uh, no, but I know right. it's like, I know there's like two famous lawyers, like Clarence Darrow. Clarence Darrow and William Jennings Bryan. William Brian, Jennings Bryan. The little Ryan for president. Yep. He also uh, like ran against Lincoln. Uh, yeah, ran against Lincoln, right? Didn't I he? think. Yeah, I think. No, I'm so. getting. I'm know. getting him confused with somebody else because this happens to me all the time. They based the lion in the Wizard of Oz off of William Jennings Bryan. Cowardly the little, lion. Bert and the little, Lohr. Yeah, the little lion is a different person. I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Scopes trial. Yes. July 1925. Yes. Dayton, Tennessee. Uh, Scopes was a teacher. He did kind of as a, you know, uh, some people are like, oh, he was, uh, you know, anti-religious, you know, nut job. And he was trying to poison the kids with his evolution talk. Right. Other people were he's a he's pro science. The Mm -hmm. truth seems to be from what I read, he was a teacher that was definitely not teaching against the church. He did teach that evolution is a theory. That uh, some people have come up with. Here's what it is. Yeah. Memorize these two names. Charles Darwin. You know, and then you'll get an A on the test. You know, it just wasn't dramatic as they wanted it to be. Right. But here's the interesting part. The most interesting part about the Scopes trial to me is this. The ACLU mm-hmm. was behind this. They they were yeah. looking to challenge the law. Yeah. They wanted someone that, that would that would step up. And Scopes said, oh, okay. I'll do it. So he, uh, you know, broke the law on purpose. He broke the law. Right. Like Rosa Parks. Or yeah. Yes, exactly. The, exactly. Yeah. So then they, they do that a lot with Supreme Court cases where they'll try to find right. people. Yeah. Uh, let's let's give the let's give the little uh, capsule of the of what happened and then we can go off. And yeah. All, you know what I mean? So the ACLU says, yes, you're going to do it. Yeah, I'll do it. You know, so he's a little bit of a Rosa Parks there. You know, I'll break the law on purpose to bring media attention to this issue. Them thinking that if everybody knew that it was against the law to teach evolution, then there should be a public uprising. Like, what? This is freedom of speech. This is we should be teaching kids. You know, that's, you know, the hope in their minds. Right. right? So it's a huge media event. People... To grasp how big this was, this was the the if I'm remember correctly the first and to trial to be broadcast on radio. People in you know, states all over the country. I imagine were, it was huge. I imagine it was like the Lindbergh baby type. Yeah, like yeah. that that all yeah. engrossing of a story of the oh time. Oh my God! People followed it and followed it. Newspapers, not just in Tennessee. This wasn't a tiny little thing. It wasn't just in the South. New York was was you know it was headlines. Were on New York Times headlines of California newspaper. This was it was everywhere, yeah. you know, and and everybody had their sides. You know what I mean? Everybody had their sides, like just like now, you know, without with what's going on now. You know, if you were for scopes, then you were the science, and science mm-hmm. is going to lead the way. And we need to, we don't, we don't need to let you know Christianity hold us back from discovery. And then you had the other side, the. You know, this guy is going to hell and blah, blah, blah. He hates the troops. He, he hates the troops. He's, he's <laughs> he hates, disrespecting the troops. He hates the troops, and he's kneeling. And, you know, I can't believe Nike gave him the, oh, you know, the, the endorsement, oh, and I'm going to burn my shoes. And that whole, so it's two, it's a clear cut, yeah. you know, two sides, right? There was one, I'm not going to say it was a famous quote, but it was a funny quote. 
uh, one guy in Dayton stood up and, and yelled, uh, if, uh, I'd rather science go to hell than me. <laughs> it's like, what? Yes. What are you talking about? It's insane. I mean, people, that's, this, that's fired, great. this fired people up. They were mad and angry, you know what I mean? But on, the, on, on another side, which we can discuss if, if it's interesting, is the, the product. I mean, the business people saw an opportunity, and boy, did they jump on this. What do you mean? I mean, you could when you drove into Dayton, Ohio, or anywhere, or, I mean, Tennessee, anywhere near it, there was all kinds of crap for sale. There were yeah. pennants and hats and little Monkey spinny things. Dudes. Oh, is that what you're going to pull out? Is that no, what I wish I could find some of that stuff. Oh. I've seen some of it. They, they always want big money for right. it. Right. Uh, the flashpoint. The, la the last thing I saw that was really nice, Cody would have lost his crap. Uh, <laughs> there were uh, monkey bookends from the oh, Scopes trucks. Oh, I would have loved that. They're just two monkeys that, that looked like the thinking man. They were posed yeah. like the thinking man, you yeah. know? I would and love that. And they said, I ain't no monkey, you know? Oh, so they were anti-evolution Scopes <sighs> bookends. Oh. Like, why anybody that's anti-evolution is not reading books? Why do you make bookends? <laughs> right, well, no, they need to put yeah. their Bible somewhere. Well, that holds up their Bible. They should have just made them bricks. I would have loved I that. I, didn't, I had no clue that there was all this sort yeah. of side sort of sideshow paraphernalia available. That's yeah. I've never seen any of that. They made I, they're they're kind of hard to find actually. I actually drove to Dayton because I lived kind of near there one time, and mm, I thought right. I'm gonna drive over and just see if I can find anything. They've uh -huh. got some stuff there, but they want money for it. I might know? have to drive over there. Yeah, I mean it's I, it's neat stuff. So on, on a related thing with and with collections, I have a first edition signed copy of Clarence Darrow's autobiography. Oh really? Yeah, the story of my life. The story like, of my life. That's he, what it's called. Yeah. It, is it, it does it get more interesting past the title? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. That I mean, it's a lawyer's. It's a lawyer's autobiography. Is this title hilarious? All right, let's get let's get into that. That is crazy. This is a, this is a newspaper. <laughs> is it? I'm so glad That's not you the like onion? this. That's not the original onion this from 1925. This is an actual paper. All where right. is this? Douglas, Arizona. So. This is July 18, 1925. So you're smack dab in the middle of this trials going on, right? And it says Douglas Daily Dispatch. Douglas, Ooh, Arizona. Yeah. And in big, bold letters, the headline of the paper says, Judge Rules Out Expert Testimony. <laughs> God. What? It, what? How beautiful is that? <laughs> I swear, tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, <laughs> as long as you agree with it. <laughs> <laughs> Judge rules out expert testimony. That's beautiful. You want to see this? Yes. You want to see it, Tom? I'm going to pass it to Tom. Like, I don't know how you type that with a straight face. <laughs> Did they know that that sounded seemed so ridiculous at the time, you think? I like not. I mean, why would they? You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe they... It's just well. It, it, it also depends on what side Doug, the Douglas Daily Dispatch was on, because maybe, maybe they were on the evolution side and were making fun of it by putting it that way. Well, it seems to me they could have been on either side. Yeah, we don't know what side. Right. Because they they could have said judge rules out expert testimony. Yeah. Can you believe the idiots in the South? Right. They're so backwards. Right. You know, evolution is real. Right. And these this whole court is a sham. Or they could have been like judge, judge rules out expert testimony. Yay! Yeah, we're winning. That sounds like they so they we could got have a been good judge. They could have been printing that headline f with the full knowledge of how ironic it sounds. Yeah, that is possible. Well, I think, and they were also just yeah, yeah, that's true. But they were also just repeating what the it's 
Are you reading the article? Well, I started to. It's, yeah. It looks it looks like one of those things where it's an AP thing. Well, no, where the judge decides, look, we're not going to have testimony from all these different scientists, and it shortened the trial by days, right? So it right. made the defense irritated that he would do that. But basically, what he was saying was, um, they're going to place affidavits on the record, you know, setting forth that the zoologists, the biologists, the pathologists, and others would have said. And when and if they'd been allowed to speak, right? So they're just they're doing that thing where they're like, instead of testifying, we're just accepting their te- their yeah. scientific we know what papers. You're say. And, you don't yeah, need yeah. to sit and cross examine. We'll yeah, just, yeah, we've we'll already decided this. Testimonies. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. God, I saw the headline. I laughed out loud. Yeah, yeah. Me too. I That's laughed out loud when I saw. I thought I got to buy this newspaper because this is gorgeous. Now let me let me grab another one, Tom. You reading that? Yes, yes. I'm just looking at two different like. The co- the co- conferences on the Colorado River, um, Australia to float a big loan in this nation, whatever that Coolidge back in Swamp Scott, oh yeah, Cal, bootleg Cal. ring ship booze out in trunks, bootleg have, ring. Have you, have you ever heard that apocryphal joke about Calvin Coolidge? <laughs> the what? The apocryphal joke about Calvin Coolidge. It's not exactly true. Right. There's some elements that are true, but it, it's kind of got a weird story background to it. Okay. But it's a great joke. Uh, so Cal- Calvin Coolidge was infamously uh, tight-lipped. Didn't talk much. Tight-lipped. Yeah, did not talk a lot. Quiet. So the the joke, the story is, uh, at a party at, a white, at the White House, uh, a woman leaned over to Calvin Coolidge and said, uh, Mr. President, I, I made a bet that I would be able to get you to say more than two words tonight. And he turned to her, leaned over, and said, you lose. <laughs> you know, I've heard that, Yeah, but I don't know where. Right. It gets around. Does it? Yeah. I don't know where I've heard it. I might have read it in a book as a description for Coolidge or something, you know? I, I love that. I think it's hilarious. I hope it's true. I don't know. It's vaguely true. Vaguely true. So he, I believe what the, sto- what the actual story is from last I checked he told that as a joke when he was giving a speech or somebody else told it as a joke when they were giving a speech. But it was, it was like it, that part is true is that mm-hmm. there was a comment about him saying that, but that that actual, that actual interaction didn't happen. Right, right, right. But, but it's, yeah, it's, but it's, it's a, but it's a real, it's a real historical, jo- it's a real historical joke that he either made or someone else made about him. Right. Now I have another newspaper here and yes. I'm going to read this one and then pass it to Cody. Uh, but for, Oh my gosh. I love this. I framed this I'm one. excited. I don't have a frame for the other one. That's pretty big. You know. Yeah. Okay. This is from the New York American. Okay. Okay. And we've got, wow, Saturday, July 18th, 1925. Is that the exact so, same hey, day yeah. as the other one? Yeah. Uh, Tom, yeah. yours is the 18th of July? It should be on the front. It is the 18th wow. of July. This is the same day. Oh, wow. I just recognized that. Must have been in a head that day. <sighs> New boy. Okay. And it says, scientists barred at Scopes trial. Oh, yeah, because it's so the same expert thing. Yeah. Termo, uh, expert, uh, expert testimony, uh, rule, judge rules out expert testimony, and scientists barred at Scopes trial. Yeah. Now, um, the, the sub-headline mm-hmm. says mosquitoes bite, uh, mosquitoes bite man to death in swamp. <laughs> That's a great sub That's even a more interesting story. And it's more proof of evolution. <laughs> is it really? Yes, I guess it is. is <laughs> it? Am, I, am I right or wrong? Uh, you want to prove the monkey trial? Read this. Now, you're, are your ears open, Tom? I've never heard of a mosquito's killing somebody before, except with through malaria yeah, or like something like that. Yeah. Also, I right. see a Piggly Wiggly ad in Tom's paper there from is. across the room. It's great. 
There's an old, then, then there's this story here. Ken of Darwin lives in Dayton and business is, is tough in his general store because he has to suffer for the evolutionist's writings. Oh, God. A story about Darwin, <laughs> oh a my store God. that somebody owns, you know. Uh, so, so this was like the big deal, and they tried to find every story they could to connect yeah. with it because everybody wanted to read every. That's interesting. That's cool, though, that yeah. the nation was gripped by sort of an argument between science and uh, make-believe, and most people believe <laughs> make-believe. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And this was sort of it coming to a head where, like, there was an open argument and discussion throughout the whole country and maybe the mm-hmm. world, which is, I don't know. It doesn't it's seem cool. it's really cool, and it doesn't it's seem neat. like it would. I feel like Sean Hannity would be on there yelling, "It's oh. not true." Oh, he you they're anti Americans and he'd they be hate screaming the Lord. and yelling. And Lawrence O'Donnell would do a remote from Dayton, you yes. know, and there'd be a whole yeah. But let's come back to this. But I want to mention. I want to drop this into what Tom just said. The ACLU. You know, yeah. this is what they wanted. Yeah. Which is, in the long run, might be the most fascinating thing about the whole Scopes trial to me. It is. It was designed to create an argument, you know, yeah. by the left, by ACLU. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I have to read this article. Now, here's what we've got, uh, listeners out there. Scientists barred at Scopes trial. Uh, same day, Tom's headline says, Judge, uh, you know, what does it say? I'm not looking at it. Judge, uh, judge uh, rules out expert throws, tes- throws out, out expert, expert testimony. Yeah, rules out expert testimony. Rules like out expert testimony. Yeah. It, Tom's paper says judge rules out expert testimony. Mine says scientists barred at Scopes trial. And like Tom just set up, there is a massive argument going on between evolution and and creation. Yeah, creationists and the scientists are going at it. Are you reading the headline I want you to read? Because uh, I'm, I'm reading a couple of them, but you can continue on. All right, now. Underneath scientists barred at Scopes trial, we have mosquitoes bite man to death in swamp. Yep. I want to hear that story eventually, but go ahead. Okay. Now, here's the here, and this is on the front page (laughs) of the New York American. Above the fold. Uh, Yeah. Here we go. Are you ready? The headline is Man Annoys Vanderbilts. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's amazing. The the rich family, the the Vanderbilts? Cornelius. A man annoyed And that them, made the front it. page? That's made on the front, front page, news page of a New York newspaper. Man <laughs> annoys Vanderbilts. God, we need I, more of those men. Man. <laughs> we need we more. Know, we need more. Now, you got to listen to this story. Okay. Cody, Cody's about to lose it. I want to see it so bad. Uh, okay, here we go. New, Tom's new over there port. reading the cartoons. Mutton Jeff, baby. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Anytime Tom opens a paper, he finds the cartoons. I, so I the first one I didn't get. It's a card. It's a. It was a. It's a political cartoon. I was like, I don't get that. Well, it's 1925. Wait, can I'm you describe sure the political some... cartoon? I want to know if I get it. Here's a. Here's another. I love this paper. There's another. Here's a headline in the sports section. Ty Cobb given suspension by league chief. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so no scientists allowed in court, and Ty Cobb suspended. Yeah. Yeah. What was the political? For being a court? racist? No, I think he just <laughs> argued with an umpire. I was hoping it was going to be about race. Do you know the story where he got suspended for? Uh, uh, running up into the crowd during the game and uh, pummeling an armless man. What? <laughs> yes, I actually have heard this before. What? <laughs> Tom Simmons. I've not. Uh, Ty Cobb got somehow. He got suspended for like three or four days, maybe a week, 
for pummeling an armless man. It should have been two days. I, what, yeah. <laughs> per arm? One for each. Yeah. Oh, God. It's like, what do he you have to do as an armless man to piss off an athlete so much that he throws down his glove? Why are you blaming, why are you blaming the, the armless man? I'm just why, saying. Why is it the armless <laughs> man's fault? Because the arm, you shouldn't be yelling. You have no arm. That guy has a bat and a bad attitude, jackass. <laughs> you got no way to defend yourself. What, you can you can't of... hit. Shut up. No arms. This guy's got a bat. <laughs> I can think of two reasons right off the bat oh that God. you could piss off Ty Cobb without any arms, okay? You were African-American. <laughs> yeah. Right. I can see Ty Cobb running anywhere and pummeling anybody that's African-American. Sure. Or if you're a northerner. Yeah. And if you're both of those. Oh, boy. He, the guy might have started with arms, and he didn't have them after he was done. What's the, yeah. political, what's the political cartoon, though? I want to know what the political cartoon is the, 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 in the 1928 oh. paper. Can you imagine that guy? He wakes up the next morning. He's all hungover. He doesn't remember anything from his blackout. You know, and he's like, dude, what happened to me? They're like, you don't, no arms, you don't remember? <laughs> what is his nickname? No arms. Quit yelling. Why are they they're friends? friends. Why? That's what they oh. would call him. You know what That's their bad friends. Like, come on. I want to know what we this political cartoon is. you drink. I want to know okay. what this political cartoon is. Uh, it says, world. There's a, he's standing outside of a building, and yeah. there's one pillar of the building that's, that's, that says world governments, and yeah. then there's another pillar that says t- temple of civilizations, and there's a guy wearing a robe, sort of a night, sh- night pajamas, you know, with his boots on, yeah. and it says the Soviets, and he's got a big, long white beard like the Onceler has, yeah. and it says Russian strength, and he's looking at himself in a little handheld mirror, okay. and he's pouring a bottle of uh, Bolshevism, on his head, okay. which says Chinese strength. <laughs> that, is a, that is a wildly opaque, like, I kind of get it, but that's a wildly opaque political cartoon. That yeah. is wild. Yeah, I don't okay. get it. I yeah. Don't get it. I right, just listen to, to this. Sorry, sorry, back to the Yeah, no, yeah. Let's listen to this. Okay. This is hysterical to me. Man annoys Vanderbilt. Yes. God, what a headline. Uh, Newport, July 17th. So this was the 18th, so this happened... The day the day, so in they, they, it happened on the 17th. Mm. It's front page news on the 18th. It's fresh in the national it's, consciousness. Right. Let me pull the mic down just a little. All right, I'm going to read this article to you here. Please. Newport, July 17, seeking an invitation to the Vanderbilt slash church wedding. I don't. They don't mean church as in a church. Church right. was a person. So a Vanderbilt oh. getting hooked up with a church. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Two people are getting married. A Vanderbilt's getting married. Seeking an invitation to the Vanderbilt Church wedding, a groundling of the social set caused considerable excitement at Spouting Rock Beach, uh, the world's most exclusive watering place today. (laughs) The man, later characterized by the woman concerned as a, quote, bold, insolent stranger, stepped in the path of Miss William K. Vanderbilt Jr. and asked her daughter, Consuela, and asked for an invitation to the nuptials. Leaving the beach, Miss Vanderbilt reported the matter to Edwin O'Neill, the beach patrolman. (laughs) Someone asked for an invitation to my wedding. Where are the police? She declared that the man had, quote, pestered her for introductions to her daughter and her friends. Uh, Miss W. Gerald, Miss W. Gerald, wife of former ambassador, made a similar complaint. Efforts of of the police to locate the man with high society aspirations proved futile. A man walked up to a Vanderbilt on a beach and said, can I get a ticket to your wedding? And she went, oh, and called the police. And then the police called the newspaper, and it made the front pages. Wow. She's the original Barbecue Betty or whatever. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. Right? So it seems to me, here's what we got. We've got a, a trial going on in Dayton, Tennessee, 
where it is literally creationist versus scientist. But in reality, what we have is a class society where rich people are, quote unquote, bothered and annoyed because someone spoke to them. Right. right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. You, you want to know the true battle that hasn't been waged yet, in my opinion, in full blown, is that battle. Letting, letting the common rich folk talk to poor. rich people? Oh, of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just, you want to see this one? It's very similar. Yeah, I think You can't get to the cartoons because of Frank. You, wait, you all didn't mention this sub-sub-header on the Douglas Daily Dispatch, well, which... we're leaving some for... we got to leave some for Easy Bake. Which yeah. says, Darrow alleges Brian fled from field after asking for fight. Yes. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> I love it. So apparently, apparently, <laughs> William Jennings Brian tried to fight Clarence Darrow and then fled from a field. So what we have here, you guys, uh, this is a picture we're painting here. We have this, we have this trial, right? That the ACLU, you know, they 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 brought it to the forefront. There's an argument. There's a big discussion all over. We have a paper from New York. We have a paper from Arizona, right? All over the country, they're debating this. Uh, what ended up happening in the trial is he was found guilty of teaching evolution. Yeah. That is against the law mm -hmm. to teach in Tennessee. He's found guilty. He is fined one hundred dollars. Uh, they they pay the well, they don't pay the fine. They they what what's the word I'm looking for? They go back to court, right? Appeal. They appeal, and it's the court is the case is thrown out. You know, they're like this is embarrassing. They really felt like it was embarrassing to this to you, you know the, to the to Dayton, Tennessee. Just threw it out. You know, it's gone. Um, so both sides claimed victory. You know, so it nothing was really settled. Both sides. The, the creationist, you know, the creationist claimed that they, they won. He was found guilty. They won. Yeah, right. Right. And the other side said, well, it was thrown out. And plus, the rest of the country was making fun of you. And you was like the rest of the country making fun of them. That's the question. So that's what I mean. Like it wasn't it wasn't le they weren't teaching evolution all over the country. And then they just weren't there. It didn't. You know, it became it started to become like legal to teach it in the 60s. So in in the South and. 50 when did they teach start teaching it up when north when did these laws go away 50 like it, you know i know it was 30 years later or something so it definitely did not uh you know they they didn't like 1925 they have the the trial and then in in 1926 they start teaching evolution it was not a victory like that you know okay. it took a while but do you think that this was a time like where sort of like you said the whole country sort of had that debate and then a certain percentage of the majority were like, all right, we're going with science and evolution. And then there was like the 33% that were like, nope. Right, right, nope. right. Nope. We're going to, um, we're going to believe that we're going to believe in the Bible and Trump. I, you're right. I think, uh, you know, my guess is, is this from, you know, a little bit of knowledge on this thing is the majority thought it was crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were making fun of Bible thumpers in the South. The South are, you know, got even a worse name than it had before. Mm. And the most of them is mocking these ignorant backwoods people okay. that yeah. make it illegal to, to teach this and <laughs> stuff like that. Um, I mean, mockery has been great for <laughs> the world. I mean, inherit yeah. the wind didn't. It makes people feel like, oh, and maybe I am stupid. Yes. Is that what you're saying? It's like, yeah, it's the it's biting sort of social commentary. And it's sort of you don't I think I think making some make this laughing at someone mm -hmm. 
it will influence them their their thought more than sort of yelling at them or physically that's, forcing that's a very them good something. Point. Well, let's. Um, I was just going to say, inherit the wind di- wasn't too long after the actual trial, right? They, so, yeah, they so I mean, obviously, it was a pretty you know, con- it was a pretty large consensus on the other side of it because a, 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 an award-winning movie came out about that trial, framing it as a like as evolution should be taught in school. Well, of course, yeah, they, the liberal so, left Hollywood, yeah, Hollywood, no, but Hollywood it, was a, machine. it was a very popular and successful movie. Also, just, just because kidding. we're talking about the Scopes Monkey trial, I felt like at the, the one of the headlines on the back of this newspaper was important, which is, uh, Bananas give an endorsement of Dr. H.W. Wiley. <laughs> I, I did see that story, <laughs> he, too. He, he thinks okay. you should eat bananas. You should eat bananas. Yeah. Here's my question to, to you both that's interesting, and I don't know if we have the answers, but it's a fascinating discussion. Sure. ACLU had this idea, if we find someone that is willing to step forward and break the law, then what you do is you bring, you, 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 you know, you shake up the pot a little bit. You create an argument. You get people, you get people yelling and screaming about it, which in other words, you create chaos. Sure. Okay. It's a, you know, a steel pond and someone threw a rock in it and now it's chaotic through chaos is the potential for change, bad and good, right? Right. You know. Well, you do you like this type of uh, fight? Do you? Well, you so know, Cody, Easy Bake, what do you think? That's how all Supreme Court, most Supreme Court cases are made. Is you have to break the law, be found guilty, appeal up to the Supreme Court, right. and then that's how you get Supreme Court decisions. Mm-hmm. So, like Lawrence v. Texas, I forget the name of the organization. Uh, Lam- Lambda Legal, no, Lambda Legal. Um, the gay rights organization uh-huh. was trying to find a, a a gay couple that got arrested for being gay, like they, like they were trying to find a homosexual couple that yeah. were, were and so that makes sense to and, me. And that and that case is actually a really bad test case. Like so, they have test cases. And they like and they'll send people out to do stuff like like you know, like, and so. They glommed on to Lawrence v. Texas, and Lawrence, if you go back and read the original report of Lawrence v. Texas, that is not one that you really want to hang a sodomy law. Because it was like, it was kind of a weird story where it was this like really contentious couple, and like there's some like seedy stuff going on there, and and neither of them wanted it to be a, a Supreme Court case, and like... They're, they and they had animosity towards each other as a couple. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like the gay marriage cases where it was like these really loving couples and you can like put them on posters and have them talk to interview and stuff. Like great, right. great visual front men. The it was like not the best case, but it was the one that came up at the it time they op- needed it. It was to. their option. Yeah, but now they now more. they choose cases that they're like, all right, we're gonna we need you guys to like go into that shop and try to buy something. And then, and then we'll we'll be able to we'll stand behind you. We'll pay for your legal fees. We'll take care of all. So what happened with Lawrence is Lambda came in and said, "We'll pay for your legal fees if you agree to not like plead plead guilty and we'll actually fight this." And so that's how that that's how because you have to appeal in order to get to the Supreme sure. Court. You have to break I mean, the law. It's a it's a good tact, you know. Don't you think it's like a Tom? It's like a it's a good um, approach yeah. to let's use the legal system. To try to do, but in order to use it, like Cody said, someone's gonna have to step forward. Yeah, you gotta break the rules to make the rules. You gotta, yeah, you gotta that was, break. Them. That was that was. I think that was sort of one of Martin Luther King's things too. In yes. the Southern, like they went We're to Selma the because law. they needed to find some Bull Connors. Like there was other places yeah. where they could go where the the police would just be like, "All right, march." You know what I mean? And right. then there was other places where they're like, "You're not doing that," and we got to keep our foot on you, and you are gonna we're gonna turn on the hoses, mm-hmm. and that stuff that. Yeah, like you, they seek they seeked out those things, or they 
you broke a law specifically because it was an unjust law. Yeah. You know. But you know what's interesting about that within it, like you, you go and you break the law, like Selma, right? You not Selma, but the uh, Bull Connor thing, right? You go and you break the law, but then once that law is broken, then you have to be very careful because they at that point now they are looking to blame you you know like if right now the hubbub there's lots of always lots of uh, things going on in our country right now colin kaepernick is a big that's a big hot button debate issue right right and then if he gets caught you know uh, let's say he's drunk driving he can't do anything he can't do anything He's got to right now. He's got to be right in line. Yeah. If he wants to fight properly, the the gay couple that Cody's talking about, you know, if you're going to step up and say yes, I will break the law, uh, we're going to get married and then get arrested, so we can then go to the. If if the other side can say, we found heroin, we yeah. found this, we found you know that they uh, you know one of the gentlemen is accused of robbing a bank, the other one has a, uh, you know, some kind of some kind of bad yeah. then. They're doing that right now with a killing in Texas, where the where the, the guy in Dallas, yeah, where the where the police officer shot the person in his in his and own. The police apartment. officer was found guilty, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, no, it's no. like no. they're I'm thinking of another one. They just yeah. got a search warrant on the victim's house, and they found some weed, and they found you know so. Right. And yeah, when they found like paraphernalia used to commit crimes, which is like a laptop and like an insulated lunchbox, like they were really there was somewhere they were really stretching. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you think? I don't know anything about that case, but I don't. I, I don't. There's one. There was one five days ago or something where the the police officer were, was found guilty. Oh no! This one, there's still uh, jury still out. Jury well, still there's out. No, there's okay. no case yet. They, okay. they, they, they're just trying to figure out what happened. Well, I think, they're trying to. I think get she some was, information. I think so she can... was impaired, or or had a vendetta, because you don't you don't walk. Like I've gotten off of the wrong floor of my building, and like my building in Chicago was a was like a skyscraper type, where it's the whole all the floors are the exact same. You got off the elevator, you walk, you turn, walk down the hall, take a left, walk down the hall. There's my building, like a hotel. So I I would get off on the wrong floor every once in a while if I wasn't paying attention. Somebody had pressed a button or something, whatever. And I would wa- I would walk there because you couldn't have stuff outside your apartment. And I would walk to it and I'd put my key in and it wouldn't work. And then I would look at the I would like look at the number and go, oh, I'm at the wrong place. Yeah, I've done that with a car. It was like go, go to yeah. get in the wrong car. And I'm like, yeah. what? This isn't. So even if it right, right, right. even if it yeah. wasn't locked, I couldn't imagine opening the door to my apartment, not seeing the art on my wall or the stuff I have in my entryway, but then turning and seeing a person and having my first reaction be, I need to shoot that person. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I don't know any. I haven't been following this case. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, I mean, but that was the problem with Lawrence was that if I, and I might be misremembering as we say, um, on the podcast multiple times, but, uh, I believe like one of them had like a history of like, if not accusations of some sort of run-ins with crime in terms of, uh, in terms of, um, like being a rent boy, um, right. like prostitution and things right. like that. So that was, and like, you can't, you can't, things you know, like you that. Need, yeah. You know, like what? Cause it, you what, need to be morally pure. Bert, you're trying to show, you're trying to show the righteousness of this person. Right. This person can't be a criminal. Right. Look at how good and upstanding they are. That's, that's all the marriage cases where we need, we need to hang this on like two couples that have been together for forever. And the old, like they've been, you know, monogamous and like, you know, you couldn't hang the gay marriage trial on like a, you know, polyamorous couple that would like, cause, cause the opposition would go like, well, see, but they're degrading marriage because they're dating other people and all this other right. stuff. It needs to be like, no, this is a couple that's been together for 50 years. And like, 
these are the ways that they're being harmed because you also have to show harm. So you have to show like, you know, one of them, you know, got cancer and their partner couldn't visit them in the hospital. And that's an actual thing that happened to them. And right. we can show that that causes harm on this marriage, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, you right. have to you you have to prove more, which is, I think, kind of garbage that you have to prove like whole moral righteousness just for people to have basic human dignity but isn't isn't that weird yeah i mean you have to be good in order to be basic shouldn't it shouldn't it be the opposite yeah shouldn't they be fighting like shouldn't they be trying to prove why homosexuals aren't allowed to be married yeah shouldn't they have to prove that like it's obvious that you know if a human being wants to marry a human being i don't care you know if if one of them's 20 and the other one's 93 they're allowed you know they yeah, as long whatever. As but that's just how it's been as you know what i mean that's consensual. just how it's been it's like we could black it, people it, white people couldn't get married we didn't have to argue that they sh- they didn't have to argue that they uh didn't who they married, shouldn't yeah. get married it was right. it was but just, it just seems like it's always it's, the norm the norm persists i know but it's so yeah. weird to me that you know I agree. It, it's so weird to me that humans just don't like go Wait a minute. Why are we arguing that they should? Why don't you prove to me that they shouldn't? I think that at some point in the in the argument it flips. Like it almost seems like Danny was saying on an episode earlier, like in mm-hmm. early two thousands or whatever, when when people were comics were on stage talking oh, yeah, about yeah, yeah. gay marriage and they should be doing. It was the majority. It, you were in the minority pitching that pitching that point of view. I got you punched know? in the face. Yes, man. exactly. So. Yeah. And and then so you've seen over time that that changed and there was like a four year period where it was fast. It and I it's the majority the all of a sudden it went from probably thirty percent or whatever the number was pretty low. Right. You right. probably know this whatever more yeah, than me. And then right. all of a sudden it's like historically it changed quickly. Yeah. It right. was, but it had been building up for hundreds and hundreds of years. I mean, there were homosexual couples that were put to death in the 1600s, you know. Of course. And every single one of them, in my mind, I've said this on the podcast before, but I think it needs to be repeated. Every single homosexual couple that paid the ultimate price yeah. right, to be free are in a line, right, leading all the way up to the right. decision. And, you know, the battle's not over. There's many more battles to, to be fought and, yeah. with homosexuals. Well, I mean, they were doing it in the but 1900s. Every victory, every victory that, yeah. that you guys have got is a line of people all mm-hmm. the way back, you know? Yeah. But, like, it happened quick historically. Usually humans are so, so slow. My God. But I got punched in the face in Macon, Georgia, for essentially saying, that uh, I donated sperm to my sister's wife. And then after that, which that bit pissed him off, but after that I had a bit about why homosexuals should be allowed to be married mm-hmm. and why rednecks shouldn't be allowed <laughs> to be married. Yeah. And so a guy punched me in the face. Sure. And then five or six years later, mm-hmm. I had like a, a right-wing club owner that didn't like my act say to me, why don't you do that old stuff that d- isn't offending anybody? Like giving sperm to your sister and the gay marriage stuff. The stuff that was, it's so it crazy. Was, yeah, it was super offensive when I wrote, well, to That's some so people, weird. not to yeah. everybody. That's but so weird to me because I've still gotten years, pushed back on gay stuff. Not 20 in, like, years liberal later, rooms. you know? Well, there's a difference, I think, between a you know a gay man delivering and a straight man delivering. I agree. No, definitely. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a difference. Yeah. yeah, there was like, it was, you were the, you were the guy standing up for the, for the the, st- the 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 stomped on and the you know what I mean and the and yeah, the under and the and the and the underdog right, initially yeah, right and then right. all of a sudden at some point it's like oh well he's preaching to the choir he's now preaching to the choir yeah this guy's like, I'm against you know. I'm a, I love puppies oh really you're <laughs> God I hate you know, puppies I know and it, but at one point it's like back to what we were talking about but very but along the same lines 
Bayard Rustin. Bayard, yep. Bayard Rustin. Is that, did I pronounce it right? Bayard? I believe so, yeah. Bayard that's Rustin. How, that's how I've heard it, yeah. I mean, that, Bayard Rustin was, uh, yeah, t- one of the, I'm going to say, top five people that were the force and the intelligence behind the civil rights movement. I'd say three. Three? I'd say top three. I, w- I almost went with three, but then I thought, yeah, I'm not an expert, so maybe five. I, I mean, I- he was he was like he was the guy behind Link. I mean, Lincoln, but the guy behind uh, King. Oh, but uh, without like, a doubt, behind yeah. King. King. Yeah, and so then I would say King, Malcolm X, Rustin is how I would is how I would try. I wouldn't argue. That. I wouldn't argue with that. Yeah, but everybody knows Martin Luther King. Everybody knows Malcolm X. Right. There's not a, a lot of people know Bay and Rustin. And there's a specific reason why he was gay. Uh, and they chose smartly, in my opinion, unfortunately, okay, he was gay, and they talked about it from what I know. Uh, they didn't want to put him in the front of the line because For exactly they, what you're talking about a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the opposition right? could point to yeah. him and say, they have homosexuals. Mm-hmm. See, this is immoral. This is sinners. They're going to hell. They have more ammo. So he stayed in Philadelphia or. Pittsburgh, somewhere in Pennsylvania. Why does he have to wait for equal rights? Thank you. Right. Right. Thank you. But it's like Danny Bevins and I were. Danny Bevins and I always came to this argument. Every episode we did with Danny, who I loved, it always came down to this. I live in this dream world, according (laughs) to Danny. (laughs) Yeah. And I agree with Danny. Right. So let's try to do, let's try to get what Bevins taught me and lay it out. I think he should have been right there. You know what I mean? He should have been up front. Everybody knows his name, and everybody accepts him just like everybody else, right? He's an African-American homosexual, mm-hmm. uh, very intelligent man, driven for peace and freedom and equality. Mm-hmm. He should have been known along with everybody else. The reality is it gives the opposition more ammo. They, 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 we were struggling. They were struggling. I wasn't there. They were struggling to win the minds and the hearts of people. Right. Over right. to their cause. You're not going to win as many in 1965 if a homosexual is in the front of your line leading the, the charge. You're just not. Right. You're just not. So they, they chose to fight that battle after they fought this one. But, you know, blah, blah, wow. blah. Wow. I right. wonder if that that simple decision like that could have changed in the time that's not just that but sort of exactly in this that's a great question and this and this you know i i have the unique amongst us probably of where i when i started comedy sort of during the def jam era at atlanta's earthquakes club uptown comedy corner which was an all-black comedy club but there it seemed like i'm telling you there's an extra 10 years of just in comedy in general you know how things move on of Mm -hmm. open hostility to gays and gay oh, yeah. bashing and stuff oh. that was sort yeah. of that was yeah. that was more accepted in front of an all black audience than it would be in front of a all white audience or an, yeah. or a mixed audience even a friend of mine got pulled off stage on the south side of chicago um at a club because they thought he was doing a joke about being gay and he was straight and the right. joke was about the joke was just like an absurd pe- bit about him thinking a dude wanted to have sex with him on a bus and they thought he was doing a gay and they literally like Played the music, cut him off in mid-sentence. Now, what, it's 2018 today. right now. What, 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 10 years ago? Five years ago? Five years ago. 
Yeah. Well, you think about like Eddie Murphy, you know what I mean? There was, I mean, they they weren't the only ones. Dice Clay was doing it. There was, so it was, but in the, in the nineties, it was, you watch Def Jam, you watch, there was still very. When I started, I started a few years after you, right? Right. But at the punchline in Atlanta, Georgia, which at the time was the number one club in the South. Yeah. I guess there was probably a lot of that still. I mean, especially if you went up, if some, if some comic went up and did something like that was kind of sensitive as far as like tell, told a story yeah. from their heart, you know what yeah. I mean? And then had a punch at the end that everybody laughed at. Oh, if you revealed any kind of sensitivity or humanity at all, then someone would go up after you and go, let's hear it for the faggot. Yeah. You know? Right. Well, that's the, that's the thing. That's the, that's the one. You're right. I may anti- be, I may be sorry. To I may be putting that on that. No, it's the anti- that separating it by race a little more than it maybe should be. It's but an I, anti-gay yeah. connector for a lot of different cultures. Red, like red, you know, not just paint with a really broad brush, but brush. But that's what we're kind of doing here. Right. You have to in societal movements. But you know, rednecks, Latino culture, African American culture has a lot of macho uh, bravado, masculinity, you know, projection on men, on young boys, and so being gay is effeminate and it's and it's weak. You, like the concept of like a strong like a strong gay guy even like even the concept of like a bodybuilding like a, like has a lot of muscles there's always this undercurrent of like well yeah but those are show muscles like yeah. a real actually strong gay person doesn't exist right it's, it's show a, they're muscles. weak because you can't because sub- you can't you can't submit to another man the concept of like that's right. why it's always anal jokes and stuff like that the right. idea of submitting yourself to another man doesn't exist like that's not a thing you should do you know we're talking about like you know looking at like redneck cultures that i grew up around you know the idea of someone looking at you funny at a bar is a fightable offense like right. that you know like are you, are you looking at yeah. you looking at me what you're you looking look, at yeah are you, you looking at me you want to go you want to fight somebody punched me one time because I, I literally just looked at him one time when i was ordering a drink because i was just i like to look around at people right. and he he got pissed and he punched me Ugh. and i was i wasn't even looking at him weird i just like he was the first person i looked at in the in my looking around the room Right. And it's yeah, and, and it's this idea that that a, that a man has to be dominant at all times. And if you if you aren't that, then you are weak and lesser. You're weak. And you're yeah. you know it's the weakest chain concept that like the weakest right. chain in a group is going to be the one that's going to destroy the group. And yeah, it's fascinating. So how does me. homosexuality fit into evolution? Like going back to well, scope monkey trial. We're, we're talking about the ACLU yeah. choosing to break. You know, let's break the law. Let's let's stir the pot. Let's get some chaos going. Same. I mean, yeah. it's been used, like Cody pointed out. It's yeah. a tactic, and I think it's an interesting tactic. They're creating chaos. You know what I mean? Because with within chaos, you know, you might win. You know what I mean? People are yelling and screaming at each other. You have to disturb you know, the status quo in order to it. change it. You know, rock the boat. You but the information but then, they sort of everybody, especially with these news stories, it just got flooded with sort of the argument and. The discussion ha- started happening all around, yeah. and then that raised a level of you know making 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 people question. I'm assuming, but they're still teaching this. They're still teaching. Sure, but it's not, not evolution. Te- yeah, yeah, right. But it's not. Yeah, it's not as widespread. And let, it's the head of the Department of Education. Yeah, well, yeah, but okay, but I mean, they also, ju- but the the U.S. government just started arguing that homosexuals should be allowed to be fired for being gay. So I mean, you know. Right. The, the, our progress, our progress is never. This is the problem people forget about progress. It's never just one straight line forward. It's like it's evolution. Several, it's it's climbing a mountain in the winter. You're gonna slip down every once in a while, but the point is you just gotta try to make it to the peak. 
And then when you get to the peak, you find out, oh, crap, it's only halfway up the mountain. I forget. I didn't realize the clouds were covering the rest of the mountain. Ah. <laughs> but you're still climbing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We, I mean, we, I live, mean, a, we live in a culture good, where you, know? you, can be the, you can be the man who, who shortened the end of World War II yes. by years and still be put to death by your country because you're a homosexual. Who are you talking about? Uh, Alan Turing. Alan Turing. And then that was World War II. Fifty. When was he put? To, I don't remember. Well, yeah. So he was chemically castrated, which led to his death. You know, it's yeah. funny you say uh, that yeah, because I was 50s. thinking tur- about Turing earlier, mm-hmm. and going back to homosexuality again. He came up with the Turing test, yeah. basically, which was once computers can basically fake mm-hmm. being normal. Yeah. And the book I was reading was talking about that, like how it's just so kind of ironic and maybe not ironic that yeah. he's basically who knew more about how to fake like yep. you were like everybody you were like everybody else that's an amazing and that's name. part of why he came up with yep. the turing test and he basically invented the computer right the modern computer is based off yeah of i mean i you know yes I, I you know there are probably one or two other people should be sure. thrown in there but touring yeah there's uh, the what's point, her name touring i mean the, the, you know you should have been celebrated yeah. Not not castrated. Yes, you know, and then that was 1952. If I if I remember my date correctly, yeah, 1952, and now it that's a very very large change for 60 years, right? 1952, 48, 58, yeah, right. Yeah, 60, government 60 plus yeah. years. If you look at you look at what they did to Turing, uh, and I'm talking. Of course, I know there's countries that are still doing worse right. than that, but I'm talking about you know quote unquote. The, the ones that we're involved in. Uh, yeah. Okay. But that's yes. a that's a and, and you. Well, you know. How well, do you get there? You you, you make know, people think. Right. You make people argue. You make people yell and scream. You, also you humanize relate. it. Well, you, you yeah. Humanize you humanize it because you're relating it to them. The yes. reason that homosexuality, in my opinion, progressed so quickly is because it's one of our. It's again. I always like to bring. I always like to bring this up on the podcast. Our greatest strengths are always our greatest weaknesses. So the the greatest weakness and the greatest strength of the homosexual community, um, and also the trans community is that we are we are born out we are born into diaspora homosexuals are not born in gay communities to gay parents right. in gay culture <laughs> uh, like like the african-american community is more insular right. they are born into especially you know and in jim crow era moving forward they're born to african-american families in in black neighborhoods in these cultures and so it, so the it's easier to other people when they're in a different part of the city but when you're you know a redneck racist uh, who you know hates gay people, and then you get a gay kid. You got to make a choice that you either love that kid or you don't love that kid, and it starts humanizing because it's an actual gay person who is your child looking at you, or you you find out your neighbor is gay. You don't find out that somebody you've always really liked is black. Actually, you know. I think I think uh, yeah I think Cody's one hundred percent right. I think the battles that have been fought by people you know and the, you stir up the crap right tom and i think there have been some some battles won in that area but mm-hmm. overall the vast a lot of the push is going to be like uh, a friend of mine and i were talking that i did not go to school okay hear me out for a second cody oh, yeah. oh, no. i did not go to school with any gay people mm-hmm. at all you know i was you know i was small town okay south there were no gay people in my high school now were there gay people in my high school? Right. 100%. Right. Yes, there were. They weren't allowed to say so. Right. So, therefore, 
I don't know any gay people. And from my point of view, I didn't. Right. Because I, I was robbed of the experience because of the societal pressure and all that crap. My son is turning three next week. He is going to be in school with gay kids. He's going to be friends. They're going to they're gonna be every, So he's not mm-hmm. going to, you know, he's going to, he might hate Jimmy. Right. Right. But yeah. not because he's gay, because Jimmy keeps stealing his Snickers bars. I mean, you know Jimmy I mean? is an asshole. Jimmy's an asshole, you yeah. know? But th- but in other words, if he hates Jimmy, it's going to be because of Jimmy's personality, and they don't get along, my kid and him, you know? It's just going to be a different dynamic, and right. that is going to force, force, I use the word, to push it forward. Right. Um, I want to close this episode with a joke from my, my sister. It's not even a joke. It's just flat-out common sense. Okay. Okay. Uh, and Tom's aware of this. This is North Carolina, right? This is yeah. Eh, this is a while ago. Was it Falwell? Which, which preacher was it that said he he had figured out a way to kill off? That's his words. All uh, the gays. It wasn't one of the big ones. It's just that that some yeah. small town. So small town church, and he was just his thing was I got it all figured out. Yeah. Yeah. I was we watching take the all, news. all the lesbians. Take put them together and put them behind a fence. Then we get all the gays. And all the homosexuals and put another fence, and then uh, they'll die off because they can't reproduce. <laughs> I'm like, in sitting in the living room with my sister, okay, yeah. who is uh, mentally challenged. Okay, my sister's mentally handicapped, right? Mm-hmm. And we're watching, and this idiot, right? They they play the clip that Tom just did so well. The, even the voice is pretty good. It's slow dying. You take all lesbians. He's in church Sunday yeah. morning giving this, right? You take all to the amening, cheering people. Oh, yeah. Cheering. No. People are cheering. I saw this. Right. So my sister, mentally handicapped sister and I, are sitting in the living room watching this. And my sister looks at me and goes, gay people can't have babies? I said, no, they can't. She goes, well, then how did they all get here? So I said, how do you think they got here? And she goes, oh, because she gets frustrated when she has to solve a problem. You know, she does. You know, she wants to watch I Love Lucy, not right. solve problems. Yeah. You know what I mean? Me so I said, think common. about it. How do you think they got here? And she goes out loud. She said this, Cody. She goes, if gay people can't have babies and they're here, then that means straight people have gay babies. He's stupid. <laughs> My mentally handicapped uh, sister pointed at the preacher and all the people, yay, 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 and said, he's stupid. She figured it out, beautiful. and he didn't. That's beautiful. It's you gorgeous. Sh- it is it? gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. And that's not the half of it, because there was a church full of people there that agree with him that are even more stupid. Yeah. It's ridiculous. All right, my friends. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, cozy Cody Easy Bake, Cozy Melcher. Yeah. You got two nicknames, my friend. I, I'm racking them up this week. Pew, pew. Uh, Tom Simmons, the check Simmons out. Kid. Check out <laughs> Simmons the Simmons, <laughs> the Simmons kid. Non-racist Ty Cobb over yeah. on the couch. T-bone, T-bone, <laughs> double dutch. <laughs> check out Tom Simmons comedy. Cody's taking a break from doing comedy right now. He's coming back to it. And I highly recommend his stuff when he comes back. About six months. You can also check out the stuff that I'm doing right now anyway. Tome Foolery is an amazing podcast. If you like to read books, he gathers around interesting, creative, intelligent people that are curious. And they all read a book and they discuss it. And it's laugh out loud and think out loud funny. Tome Foolery. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities is an on-tour production. Matt Holt, producer. Matt Holt. 
also wrote that sentence. If you want to support us, please rate and review us on iTunes. Anything you do is greatly appreciated. You can visit our Facebook page also at Stuart Huff's Obsessive Curiosities. We'll post items of interest there, and you can chit-chat with other obsessives. I even stop by from time to time to see if I can buy anything from anybody. I've been Stuart Huff. If you've liked my obsession as much as I do, thank you very much for listening to me.